Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. From the king of sports books comes the king of sports podcasts. Unleashed. Presented by BetMGM. Here's your hosts, Giannis Pappas and Olivia Harlan Decker. After this last weekend, welcome in everybody. This is Unleashed by BetMGM, the king of sports books. You know who else is king? The NF freaking L. I honestly don't know where to start. This was the greatest weekend of football I've ever seen. It's the best weekend of football your daddy's ever seen, your granddaddy's ever seen. That was it, folks. It's the best product on the market for a reason. We're going to talk all about it. If you bet on the home teams and the top seeds this past weekend, I'm really sorry. I feel your pain because three out of the four lost in shocking, even devastating fashion. Conference Championship Sunday is set and we're one step closer to the Super Bowl and the Super Bowl halftime, which looks incredible. That trailer just dropped this week. And coming up, we've got a guest who has won two of them. It's former wide receiver with the Ravens, 49ers, Eagles, and Panthers, Torrey Smith. He'll be joining us shortly. He's no stranger to making big plays in the playoffs. But before we get started, we want to tell you how you can get some free bets from BetMGM. Yes, you heard us right. Free. My dad always taught me if it's free, it's me. BetMGM gets you ready for championship weekend with a special welcome offer for the AFC title game. Just register for BetMGM, make your first deposit, and place a $10 Moneyline wager on the Kansas City Chiefs game. If Patrick Mahomes throws a touchdown pass, <coughs> safe bet, you'll win $200 in free bets regardless of the outcome. Huh? Yeah, it's too good to be true. Just use bonus code UNLEASHED200 when you make your first bet. Enjoy the playoffs like never before with the king of sportsbooks and score an easy win on your very first bet. Download the app or go to betmgm.com and use bonus code UNLEASHED200 to win $200 in free bets if Patrick Mahomes throws a touchdown pass in the game you wager on. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. 
All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Oh, Giannis, I am so excited to pick Tori's brain on all the action, but I'm very excited to pick your brain on the heralded kickers, the position group you hate the most, and they saved the day. Cincinnati's kicker, Evan McPherson, has become one of the coolest guys in the state of Ohio. Now, I'm not teeing you up for a joke there. There are some cool guys in the state of Ohio. When he called his shot and got his team to the AFC Championship, how do you feel about those two endings last Saturday? Well, whatever's left of my brain, you can pick it because my mind is blown. You are correct, OHD. What a night and day of football. I'm in L.A. right now, so I'm watching it at a different time. It was a wild night. Weird. Yeah, the kickers are cool. Who knew? Who knew that chicks dig the long ball? And (laughs) they really are the rock stars of their team's. And my mind is just blown that Kansas City Chief game. You know, I was looking for you out there on the field, so I didn't pay attention to the first half because I was like, where's <laughs> OHD? Where's OHD? I couldn't see you. I was trying to find the blonde hair. And um, second half, I started paying attention to the game because I was like, I can't find her because I you can't see radio. No. You just you can't. can't see radio. They've got to change that. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And, you know, just... I can't believe that Aaron Rodgers is not still playing. I mean, special teams, they did have their helmets on because they did look like special teams and they do require, they may need to put helmets on those helmets. Come on. Oh, Yannis. Also, what the heck did you get into last night? Your voice sounds a little hoarse, my friend. How's LA treating you? I'm at my friend Whitney Cummings' house. We broke up a dog fight. Okay, that is the most humble brag. Are you serious? Yeah, I could have just said her first name, but I was like, man, why don't I just go Whitney Cummings? Because, you know, you might know her. I'm such a fan. I've seen her live. Yeah, she's great. She's great. And she's got a lot of animals here. And last night, two of her dogs got into a a, a, a little bit of a tiff, a little bit of a, oh. a little bit of, they went at each other. So we had to break them up. It was, it was pretty, <laughs> it was a pretty wild night. It was a wild night in Los Angeles. God, so that's why you lost your voice. Okay, I thought maybe you were yelling for the Bills or something. But do you hate the Bills as a Giants fan? Is that how that works? No, no. I was I was just rooting for the Bills because I know Buffalo Buffalo needs it more than Kansas City. Kansas City has you. They have the queen walking around Kansas City. That's true. You know, they got Jackson Mahomes doing TikToks on the streets. You and Jackson Mahomes have put Kansas City on the map. Buffalo (laughs) is just folded tables, ladders, and back injuries, and lots and lots of liver damage from drinking. So they needed this. They're in the cold up there. They're a forgotten city. I was rooting for them. I was rooting for Josh Allen. And that's why you'll see my unleash that I'm about to unleash on OHD. I've had enough of these overtime rules. I really have. Dude, me too. I I was sick that Josh Allen didn't get a chance. And and I in college, you know that you do. Every team can get the ball, but it's 
Ugh, I that one kind of made me sick to watch because it sucks when the greatest game of the weekend, divisional round, and it comes down to a coin toss. Like, what are we doing? Okay, well, let's break it down if you didn't watch or need a refresher. Let's start with the first game Saturday. The Bengals went into Tennessee, and Joe Cool, Joe Burrow, despite getting sacked nine times, he led the Bengals to their first ever road playoff win. First ever. Like, can we wrap our brains around that? That's wild. They took down the top seed Titans. Burrow's only the second quarterback ever to be sacked nine times and win a playoff game, by the way. Nine times. That's, I mean, incredible. He spent most of the game on his back. He said they're here to make some noise. So listen up, people. The Bengals are here. Okay, then that night, and this one, I just, I have like PTSD talking about this one. I'm a Packer fan. (laughs) The Packers season ended by Jimmy G and the 49ers in... A terrible, embarrassing game at Lambeau, a blocked field goal, blocked punt, and what could be Aaron Rodgers' final game in a Packers uniform. I did, that's what I'm going to unleash on Giannis, so just hold up. Just give me a second. Let me. I'm just getting warmed up here. And by the way, those two teams who just lost, Titans and Packers, they're the two teams that had wildcard buys, so... I don't know if you want to look into that or not. And the Packers rested their starters the week before in week 18. So maybe there's something too about playing that wild card weekend. Then we get to Sunday afternoon. Tom Brady almost leads the Bucks to an improbable comeback until Matthew Stafford marched the Rams on a game winning drive. I mean, that was incredible. They gave themselves the best opportunity Two Cam Akers fumbles. I mean, it, it lined up pretty good for one of the best comebacks in a playoff. So that was incredible. I was watching that on the Jumbotron at Arrowhead because our game started right after that one ended. And the whole crowd was just booing Tom Brady. I He's not a well-liked man in Kansas City, I guess. And then the nightcap, maybe the best game of the whole season, an instant classic I mean, it was incredible. We found out just how much time is too much time left on the clock for Patrick Mahomes, and that's 13 seconds. That's less time than a Jackson Mahomes TikTok video. This broke (laughs) NFL history for a couple of reasons. The Bills receiver, Gabriel Davis, he set a new playoff record with four touchdown receptions. That's insane. He just And he gave him such a chance on the last couple drives. The Chiefs win makes them the host of the AFC Championship for the fourth straight year. Giannis, that's never been done. Never been done hosting four straight. And I kept asking myself, surely it has, and thinking back of great teams, great dynasties. And I was like, okay, the Bills, when they went to all those Super Bowls, they didn't host the AFC Championship over and over. They didn't. They didn't. They had a win on the road. So, I mean, it's incredible. It was an honor to be working that game on the sideline and watch these two amazing quarterbacks battle it out. Honestly, it should have been the AFC Championship game. This game should have been next week. Neither team should be out of the playoffs at this point, but here we are. We got one of the best games of the week. Just to make a note, that last drive by Patrick Mahomes, what was it? Was it 13 seconds on the clock Mm -hmm. to get into field goal range? Just to make a note, I think Dak... Prescott's uh, very smart run at the end of the game, I think, was like 14 seconds. So yeah. they got so Patrick Mahomes got the ball down into field goal range in the same amount of time it took Dak Prescott to run on one play. So yeah, Ooh. Dallas, you're no longer America's team. I'm just piggybacking <laughs> off last week. I think the Chiefs, I think we're going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs are America's new team because they're a little smarter. 
Well, and think about this now. It's kind of this rise of the young quarterback, Joe Burrow. Patrick Mahomes now is in his fourth year as a starter, but uh, Josh Allen, incredible. Where we're thinking, was that Tom Brady's last game? Was that Aaron Rodgers' last game as a Packer? Like, we're seeing the old guard change, and it's pretty exciting. This young class of quarterbacks is very exciting, and there are some that are not in the playoff, like Justin Herbert. Like, you know, there's so many guys who are young, up-and-coming quarterbacks that we're just going to have the most fun covering for years and years to come. For like the next 20 years, we can be saying these names, and it's pretty cool. Well, you know, it's tough for us to say anything bad about Aaron Rodgers because he doesn't follow many people on Instagram, but he follows me and Olivia. Yes. <laughs> and that may be part of the problem. Maybe you should spend less time looking at my crazy videos and a little bit more time on figuring out how you're going to find where your balls are for the second half. What a shitty second half, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I hope he doesn't listen to the podcast. I hope it stops with just following us on Instagram. Yeah, he followed you this week. So that's what he was doing instead of prepping for this game. He's following Giannis Papas. That, Aaron. He had too much time on his hands. He had too much time on his hands. That bye week is concerning because teams do lose. You just lose momentum. It happens in basketball too. Yeah. You know, you just, you can't take that week off when you're in stride. It's just. Yeah. Bad beat of the week. There were a lot of bad beats to choose from this weekend, but our winner goes to Danimus Man. What a name. He says McKinnon had 27 yards before taking a three-yard loss on a botched pitch back. Turned out to be the last time they ran the ball with him. Didn't getting a rushing try. I There's, called it. I she called it. it. She called Whitney it. That's Whitney Cummings called it. I didn't even need to see. I didn't even need to watch it, and I called it. Because oh, we're loyal to the Chiefs. We're loyal to the My Chiefs. When are they going to change made. the name? Just yeah, she wants to know when they're going to change the yes, name because it's offensive. When are we going to start paying the cheerleaders? Yes. <laughs> Pay the cheerleaders. The Kansas City winners, the Kansas City hyenas. The hyenas the and. Kansas City hyenas. And the cheerleaders should be men and the football players should be women. Down with the patriarchy. Can you stop the sound issue? Yes. Podcast I'm sorry. Learn. I want to break the studio. Just do that. Yes. Also, please take all take of these. Take all of those pills. Yes. And we just. We're here to break up dog fights. Here's a little what is going to, on? Yeah. I still don't know why you're at Whitney yeah, these house. Are, it, we can all We can show up, and this is usually what football players, this is what the trainer's room, lo, uh, trainer's room looks like. They just say, oh, your ankles hurt, Antonio Brown, take all of this. <laughs> This is all Adderall. Okay, you yeah. should be working out right now during this podcast. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I got like one minute and we're done. No, I don't need I don't need you for like 15. Okay. Oh, we have Giannis for 15 more minutes. Whitney, come, I still can't believe you're at her house. You're holding her dog. Is that a little pit bull? What's going yeah. on? No, yeah, no. Whitney's, you know, Whitney's oh, what cute. you call just a normal person. Mm, I don't know. She's pretty spectacular. Oh, that was so cool. That has to be our social media clip. <laughs> Oh, that was too good. God, so Giannis is winning and Denonymous Man was our loser for Bad Beat of the Week. And God, that was that was very cool. Okay, guys, also we have to remind you that we are nominated for an award. It's the Best Sports Comedy Podcast. I've already suffered enough this past weekend. Please vote for us. You can find the link on at BetMGM or Twitter or in my profile on IG, which is just a way to get more followers and try to get you all to my page. The link is also in the show notes also. So just scroll up, 
click the little link and vote for Unleashed. Now it's time for us to go off on one topic we feel passionately about this week. Giannis, let's unleash. It's time to unleash. Unleash. I love how you still do that every week. Giannis, I got to do it. I can't imagine unleashing on anything else this week except my Green Bay Packers. This was supposed to be the year they brought a title back to title town. We all know this window is closing on Aaron Rodgers, on some players up for free agency this summer, on all the amazing free agent pickups we got off the street this year. Our defense was finally good, man. This had to be it. This was supposed to be the last dance for Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Maybe, I don't know, if they won it all, then we think they're back. They had the top seed. They had the first week by. The road to the Super Bowl went through Lambeau Field. The tundra was frozen. It was snowing. And the seventh seed 49ers marched in there, completely shut that place up. You know, losing A.J. Dillon was huge, and we clearly couldn't afford that. He scored the only offensive touchdown of the freaking game. A.J. Dillon has been a monster this year. They call him Quadzilla because he's got these big ham hocks for quads. The defense was great. They got guys back, and they were healthy. Zadarius Smith on San Francisco's first drive. I can't wait to rub this one in Pete's face. The army crawl after he sacks Jimmy G. I mean, we were rolling. Devontae with a couple memorable catches. I mean, just incredible. He's the best receiver in the league, if you ask me. He was the only Packer receiver targeted for three quarters. Three quarters. He's the only one Aaron was thrown to. And then running back Aaron Jones, he had an incredible downfield catch. And that drive ended with the blocked field goal. That was mind-boggling. That was a head-scratcher because it looked like a touchdown. It looked like there was a lot of open field Watching that play back, I still feel like he could have cut differently and maybe maybe hit his second gear. I don't know. I don't know how we didn't score on that one, why we had to settle for a field goal and they blocked it. And then just 50 yards of offense in the second half, that all falls on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers. And you know what pisses me off? He's looking around that whole game, his face, like he's cold. And I know that sounds obvious, but like you're the Packers starting quarterback and everyone else there is kind of, excuse my language, nutted up. And Aaron just looks soft and he looks like he doesn't want to be there. And that just, that, that made me so mad. Just all this, this, this is his legacy we're talking about. And he does this at home in the playoffs. He's five and four at Lambeau Field in the playoffs. Lights it up in the regular season, favorite for MVP, kind of makes a, a big deal of himself on podcasts and whatnot all season. And then he lays an egg when it matters. And that, pisses me off. We know he was busy following you on Instagram this week, not preparing for the 49ers and a uh, playoff that now would not feature Tom Brady. This could have been his show. This could have been his moment. And I'm pissed. I'm pissed. I gotta, I gotta say, I agree with you. He looked like he was waiting for the bus in freezing yeah. cold weather. That was his uh-huh. sort of demeanor the whole game. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't want to say anything bad about Aaron Rodgers because now he's following me on the gram. So, I mean, whatever. Uh, You know, you win some and you lose some. That's all I'm going to say. You know, I think maybe we can blame Alex Rodriguez. Uh. You know, as a Yankee fan, I could say he did win us a World Series. But, you know, with A-Rod comes drama. Okay, and the Packers were winning. Then they showed A-Rod on TV with a Packers beanie on and the 49ers went and scored 10 unanswered. So. Again, just like J-Lo, the Packers fans can blame it on A-Rod. He definitely cheated on her. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Okay, time for my unleashed. First, I think I need to apologize to the kickers. As we mentioned in the opening, <laughs> you know, 
I still don't love kickers, okay? But you guys hit all the game winners this weekend. And more importantly, you won me a lot of money. Okay, and I beat Olivia. So that's what that's what matters. Spoiler alert, yes, I won the punishment pick because I picked all of those road dogs to win because I pick with my heart and I pick with who the underdog is because it's just always more exciting. I'm not a cold-hearted numbers runner like OHD. (laughs) I also don't know if we can make him executive of the year, but he may get dad of the year. Who are we talking about? Yes, we got to give it up to Odell Beckham Sr. for helping his son get out of Cleveland. The man is a genius. OBJ is back making plays. He's having fun. He's one game away from being on the biggest stage, the Super Bowl, even though he's getting paid in Bitcoin. And I think Bitcoin is down right now. So his contract, I think if you run the math, is only worth $35,000 at this moment. But the kid is playing like he is in college again. He's having fun. But we need to talk about how much bullshit NFL overtimes are, okay? That's really what I want to unleash on. It's a, Twitter's ablaze with it. Everyone's pissed. Former players are tweeting about it. Saquon Barkley was like, I guess whoever wins the toy cost wins the game. They really need to change that. It's You, you can't just have a sudden death rule and leave it to luck. You can't just leave it in God's hands. You got to let Josh Allen get a chance to get back out there and tie that game. It's the playoffs, man. You don't want to see a game end like that. And uh, they just need to change it. Them and the college football committees need to get together. And we need to go to referendum and let the people decide this. The people have spoken. Football needs to change, baby. Let democracy reign. Don't let the CCP win. I love it. I love it. That was like two unleashed in one. That was really good. Yeah, I was all over the place like I usually am. Yeah, that was a I was right on brand for you. <laughs> all right. Well, that was a lot of fun. Let's go ahead and bring in someone who knows what the hell they're talking about. It's Tori Smith. He's the winner of two Super Bowls. Let's bring in Tori. Throughout his eight-year NFL career, whenever he stepped on the field, he was a deep ball threat that made plenty of big plays and helped win two Super Bowl titles, one with the Ravens, one with the Eagles. Tori Smith is here. Tori, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate y'all having me. This is really exciting as we are gearing up and we are all in Super Bowl mode. To have someone who's been there and done it, not once, but twice, is pretty special. Now, I know a lot of people may have thought you played in the greatest divisional round playoff game of all time, Ravens and Broncos double overtime classic. What do you think now after what we saw this weekend? Is it still the greatest of all time? Listen, uh, I actually said it myself and admitted to it. The Mile High Miracle was amazing. I actually had an amazing game myself, scored a couple of touchdowns against one of my idols coming up, Champ Bailey, which is something I'll always remember. However, that's a personal story. Personal situation, great win for the Baltimore Ravens. As a fan, this was better than that game. Wow. Because there were touchdowns swinging back and forth. I mean, the first half of that game was electrifying because a lot of people don't remember you know, I scored a couple of times in the Mile High Miracle. They scored on the special teams. They ran a kickoff back. They ran a punt back. So there are a lot of crazy things that happened, but the catch at the end kind of overshadows everything. In this game, the last two minutes were ridiculous. So that, to me alone, is what gets it done because the back half of a game is really where all the marbles count and the big-time players came up, and it was a great time. I've got to ask, just so people know, you're talking about Bills at Chiefs. 
Gabriel Davis setting a new NFL playoff record with four touchdowns and then Tyree Kill doing his thing in peak Tyree Kill fashion Mm. as a wide receiver. What did you see from those two talents? Man, it was unbelievable to be able to watch both of them perform. You know, Tyreek Hill, I actually worked out with him a couple of times in the offseason. And I'm a fast guy. I take a lot of pride in that, being able to run by any cornerback on the field. However, Tyreek Hill is the fastest and most explosive athlete that I've seen, period. Yeah, Um, He gets up to his full speed in like three steps, which is why you saw him take off, catch a shallow cross, and run by everyone. I was watching the game. Well, my wife and my boys, I let them stay up for that one. They were by me. And I told my wife, as soon as he caught it and I saw that he had that much space, I was like, he's gone. He's <laughs> gone. And we were just sitting there yelling, going crazy. And then for what they were able to do on the Bills side, I mean, that was unbelievable. Four touchdowns is something that, you know, he'll always remember. I know I'll remember it as a fan mm-hmm. because you knew going into that game, you have Stefan Diggs, who is my fellow Turk, my little brother, one of the best yeah. receivers in the league. You knew that they have Emmanuel Sanders out there, Emmanuel Sanders, and you know he was going to have to play a big role as well. But also with Cole Beasley, right? Mm-hmm. The one of the best slot receivers in the league. Who's going to be the guy to step up? And not only did he deliver, he stepped up and then some. I don't think anyone would have predicted a four touchdown performance, but it was something that we'll all remember for a long time. Tori, we were just trying to figure out the bye week. Is it a, an advantage, a disadvantage? What's your view on the bye week? and how it affects teams? I think it's an advantage. However, I'm not sure if the numbers truly show that (laughs) because the number one seed doesn't always go. And to me, the reason why I will say it's always an advantage, I don't care what the results show, is one, you have one extra week to heal. These guys Mm -hmm. are beat up and you have an extra game. Two, you had the opportunity to only win two games and get to the Super Bowl. Two is easier than three. So that's why to me alone, If you can get the bye week, you have it. It's hard to win in the NFL. And in the playoffs, it gets even harder. The stakes are higher. I just call it the Patriots playing. You know, they they go, they win their division, and oftentimes they were one of those top two seeds. Now it's only one bye, so it's only one team that's affected by it. But to me, if you can get the bye, you take it. I don't care what people say about losing rhythm and taking time off. I was in Philadelphia. We won it. We had the bye week. We were the top seed. We knew we only needed to win two games, and it was easier. I was also in Baltimore. We played in the divisional round. And then we went on the road to Denver and then on the road to New England. It was harder to do it that way, but we got it done. So either way, it doesn't matter if you don't come up, come to play. It doesn't matter if you get start play week one or you get that bye week. So what is the biggest difference of between a regular season game and a playoff game as a player, as you go throughout the week, as you go throughout your media responsibilities, your practices, what's different in the building? You just know that it's win or go home. You know, it's something that you live and you dream about. You know, I know watching that game, I tell people I've been retired for a couple of seasons now, and I never miss playing football until the playoffs because there's absolutely nothing like it. The pressure of knowing that you worked hard just to get your ticket to the party, right? And that's the playoffs. It doesn't matter where you're seated. doesn't matter if you're one. doesn't matter if you're last. You have a chance. And so when you have the opportunity to go out there and to compete, There is nothing like that rush. And the media, yes, there's more media, but you can hide in the locker room. You don't have to necessarily be out (laughs) there. I knew it. I knew it. If if that's not your thing, you don't necessarily have to be out there. But the reality of it is an interview is an interview. That's a part of your job. The most important thing is how do you practice? How do you prepare? And so to me, 
to say that the media is a distraction for something that you deal with each and every week. It's not like the Super Bowl where you have to go to full out media events. They're just there. The same time the media gets a step for is probably like 20 more cameras, right? That's really the biggest difference. But to me, the stakes are higher. You know, it's winner go home. And it's ultimately what you worked hard for the entire year, just to simply get in that position. When you're playing in cold, like that Packers game, what's the difference? What does it feel like as a player adapting <laughs> to that cold? What do those hits feel like when it's zero degrees out? Oh, man, full transparency. I hate cold weather, <laughs> right? I'm the guy, every time I go to my car in the morning, I'm yelling out because it doesn't have auto start. I'm like sprinting <laughs> to it. I'm yelling mad the entire time. So I hate cold weather. However, as a player, I never wore sleeves. Oof. I'm not going to allow the cold weather to get to me. I'm not going to drop a ball because I have long sleeves. I'm going to drop it because I dropped it. I don't want any excuses. So I just toughed it out with that. However, that football is like catching a brick. Yeah. The coldest game that I've ever played in was the at the Mile High Miracle game that we spoke to earlier when the Baltimore Ravens went up to Denver and it was freezing, which is why we knew that Peyton Manning himself was struggling a little bit when the elements changed. He had played in a dome his entire career. And for us coming off and knowing that he was having some challenges there, we were like, we want it to be as cold as it can be. And well, we got what we asked for because it was freezing out there. I'll never forget looking at like Marshall Yonda's beard, future Hall of Fame guard for the Ravens. His beard was frozen. He would drink water, do a little squirt on his face, and like it would like freeze over. Like It was unbelievable how cold it was. But at the end of the day, you're right. The ball is hard to catch the ball. The hits hurt more. And you have to make sure that you don't, don't get in your own head about the weather. What do you think about the overtime rules? It played a huge part in this past weekend's <laughs> divisional round. I saw you tweeted it. And I don't think you're a fan, but what do you think it should be then? I hate the overtime rules. Me too. With the passion. Like, it, it really bothers me. And the people that defend it, they bother me too. Because <laughs> <laughs> the game of football... All three phases are played throughout the entire four quarters. Offense, defense, special teams. They're all important. However, when you get to overtime, there's a clear advantage by the team that's on offense. And people are like, oh, they had their defense on the field, blah, 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 blah. Well, guess what? If your offense scores, <laughs> you lose the game. If the defense forces a turnover, their offense still has to score. That's not equal. I don't care what you say about a defense being great and having the ability. Yes, it's important. Yes, they should stop them. However, both teams should have the opportunity to answer the call on the other side. Why am I saying that? It's like that in baseball. And people are like, oh, that's a different sport. Well, okay, imagine you go and all of a sudden at the top of the inning, you go first, your team hits a home run, and the game is over. And the other team doesn't get a chance to at bat. That makes no sense. On the flip side, it's the only major sport with that type of overtime platform where it can be sudden death and you have to rely on one side of the field. And even beyond that, where we are right now, we were all robbed of seeing we watched one of the best quarterback games in the history of football. And we will never know if Josh Allen was going to be able to answer the call to bring his team back. And that to me, we were robbed of that experience. I, the emotional highs that I had watching that game, I felt like I was playing. My heart was pounding, like my chest was tight. And I don't care who, I didn't care who the winner was, right? I have friends on both sides of the field. But the reality of it is, in a sport, in a game, really, that over the years has been catered towards the quarterbacks, to not allow both of them, because again, we're, it's, it's a myth. Winning is a team stat. 
However, who gets all the credit? The quarterback. If we don't give the quarterback on the opposite team a chance to put his team into position, that's not right. And to me, there should be a change on that. Yeah. I mean, you know, if Dak Prescott would have had the opportunity, he might have ran the ball with 13, 14 seconds on the clock. (laughs) 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 What what do you think happened there? Just I I don't want to go back too far, but like. As a former football player, someone who knows the game so well, what happened? What was going through Dak's mind or McCarthy's mind? Why would you why would you do that play? Why would you run? Well, you you run that play because on the outsides of the field, they're guarding the sideline to make sure that you don't catch it out and get out of bounds. So it actually was a great call. You run, you pick up the yards, but the execution was terrible. You can't go. Dak committed rule number one. Everyone wants to blame the fans. And I know all the little Cowboys fans, they love to cry and complain all the time anyways. They want to blame the referees. (laughs) The number one thing that you're taught as a person that handles the ball is that a two-minute drill situation, you hand the ball to the referee. Period. You never toss it to them. You You don't do it. Why? They aren't the most athletic people on the field. So imagine if they would have lost because Dak tossed in the ball and the referee dropped it. We would have been talking about the refs were cheating. You're taught to hand in the ball because they have to set the ball. Who cares if you have an accurate spot? The ref has a job to do, and you're taught that. You drill that. So we should really be mad at the operations of the Dallas Cowboys and what they did because they had enough time to get it down because they still almost spiked it with enough time. They would have been able to spike the ball with two seconds left and they would have had another shot. And by the way, we're complaining about it like it was a touchdown that was taken off the table. Mm-hmm. They still had to try to get some kind of crazy play down the field. But that was their fault. That was poor execution by them. And that's, again, that's the number one card. So if you're coaching a team, I don't care if it's Pop Warner or high school or college. You know to hand the ball to the referees. Don't do what Dallas did. Learn from their mistakes. <laughs> I love it. Sticking in the NFC over there, Rams last two weeks with their huge win over the Cardinals. It You couldn't even believe those teams were meeting in the playoffs. And then to go on the road to the defending champs and send Tom Brady back home to his Tampa Bay mansion is just cruel. And how did you see them do it? I just, I can't believe what team I'm watching, especially as they tried to give the game away. Listen, I predicted that the Rams would win that game. Mm. It, it had less to do with what I believe in the Rams. I do believe that if the Rams, not really the Rams, if Matthew Stafford mm. is who I know he is as an elite type of quarterback, when he protects the ball and he plays well, that's a team that can win it all. On the flip side of that, Tampa Bay hadn't been, they weren't hot to me. I mm. didn't believe in their offense. They are really missing Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin. Like those guys being out was a big deal. And you were able to see that yesterday. Yes, it got hot at the end of the the back half, which we we all called in my house. I was like, when they turned the ball over at the one yard line at halftime, which really would have been a dagger if Cam Akers would have scored instead of fumbling. Right. I told my wife, I said, Tom Brady's going to figure out a way to get back in this. They just gave them a ball. Mm-hmm. And what happened, they made it interesting. But to me, I just felt like the Rams were the better team overall. And I didn't feel like they had enough on offense on Tampa to really push on through. But 
I could have very easily have been wrong because the Rams did everything that I said they needed to do. And then they about blew it in the second half because they didn't take care of the ball. The number one metric when you watch any game in determining who won and lost is turnovers. And as much as it is, as it is turnovers, it's about when and where you do it. And so they about shot themselves in the foot simply by not protecting the ball. But that's a team that next week have an opportunity to play at home. It's going to be really fun to watch them compete against the 49ers. And I'm glad that they were able to earn it. And I'm glad that Tom Brady also, too, was able to give them a scare because everyone knows he's not going to admit it. He was a little shorthanded with what he had to work with. And he went out there, gave him a great chance. Mike Evans was who he was, Mm. and they fought to the end, but they just came up short. That's just football. If Antonio Brown was playing, is that different? Is Do they win that game? Absolutely. If Antonio Brown was playing, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would have won that game. Hmm. Not to get too off topic, how well do you know A.B., and what are your thoughts on that whole situation? Yeah, I've known A.B. since I was a junior in college. I was at the University of Maryland. One of my best friends, uh, Bruce Campbell, was training for the combine. And there was a guy down there who was from Central Michigan, and he was working his tail off. I was watching him work out. I'm like, man, this dude is is a beast. And his mentality was his mentality about working out was just completely different. And that, that guy was Antonio Brown, you know, and from then working out the same place at uh, Bomberitos in Aventura in South Florida, I was able to watch compete with him in workouts. And his, he was just a completely different animal. You know, no one outworks Antonio Brown. So we can get caught up in all the lunatic things that he does off of the field. But the reality of it is on the field and when it comes to working and being the best at his craft, he puts in all the work. And to me, in my experiences with him, he's always been amazing to me. He's always been amazing to my family. And he's been a guy that definitely sets the tone as a receiver that you want to work and compete with. But it's been it's unfortunate that it, his career has really been like this the past few years. You know, I'm sure that there's been some challenges and some things that he hasn't talked about publicly. You know, mental health is a real thing. You know, and I'm not saying he's crazy for doing some of the things he's done, even though that's the easy thing to say. But the reality of it is, you know, dealing with some of those things off the field and um, the pressure of that he puts on himself for being great. And sometimes, you know, even your own persona and your ego sometimes get in the way of things. So I think he probably was more of a victim of that than anything else. But he's a guy that I'm definitely cheering for him. I hope the best for him. And eventually he'll have a gold jacket after they hold him hostage for a few years. <laughs> That's really well said. That's good perspective. Let's take it back a little bit to your Super Bowl wins. Which one was sweeter? Who's got the better fans? Which celebration did you enjoy more? Mm. Oh, those are tough. No, those are tough questions. And I'm going to give you an answer. And everyone always like, oh, it's cliches. Both of them, right? But the answer truly is both for me. And I'm going to give you the real reason why. Because my second year, First of all, my rookie year, we went to the AFC Championship game and we lost to the Patriots on a last second play that wasn't made. A great play by Sterling Moore to punch it out of Lee Evans' arm. Didn't make the catch. And then Billy Cundiff missed the kick to send it into overtime. And that's how we lost with the last 30 seconds of the game. So I didn't watch that Super Bowl because I was so petty. I was hurt. I I couldn't watch it. I felt like we should have been there. And then the following year, we go and we have a crazy year. And we're playing well. And my, my brother actually passed away during that season. So, you know, I had a heavy heart that entire year. My family was definitely more involved and present than ever for that year for me. And so to go and to win the Super Bowl, my family, we had never been on a vacation anywhere. So 
Mm. I went to the Super Bowl. I was like, I don't know if I'll ever get here. So I flew all of my siblings down. Wow. My family down there stayed there and we got to celebrate. We ended up winning the Super Bowl. So I'm on the field with my family at oh. the end of the year like that. You know, it was a, a truly a special year. But on the flip side of that, that was for me personally. On the flip side of that, in Philadelphia, now I'm celebrating and we had another tough year and doing it, being the first one to do it for the city of Philadelphia, who has the craziest fan base in the world. It was a completely different animal. You know, at that point where I was in my life, I'd been in San Francisco for a couple of years, didn't go well. I wasn't involved in the offense like I thought I would be. And, you know, it was honestly stressful. I love the 49ers. I love the organization. But it was a hard time for me, like knowing that I wasn't, you know, being who I know I am. And it, it was tough. It was very tough. And to be able to go to a place like Philadelphia, my wife's from outside of Philadelphia and kind wow. She was able to be around her family. And we made it through in Philadelphia to be the first ones to do it there. And on top of that, I'm celebrating. And the difference then is that my wife's coming to me, who was my fiance, the first Super Bowl. Now my wife's coming to me and she's passing me my two sons to celebrate Uh with. So it was just two completely different experiences, you know, seeing my boys like, you know, it it was definitely an emotional moment for me. And I I loved it. Uh, And they both are definitely equal in weight to me. Speaking of an emotional moment, you mentioned when your brother passed one year with the Ravens and that night you had a game. You told John Harbaugh that you could play in that game against the Patriots. And he said it was your call in that game. You had 127 yards and two touchdowns in an epic one point win over the Patriots. How do you describe how important that was to you that night in the face of tragedy? What do you remember from Harbaugh and your teammates during that time? I mean, it was huge. You know, I'm not an overly emotional guy. You know, my mom always told me I was a little cold hearted little kid. <laughs> like Olivia. But that Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, for me, that was tough. You know, that was extremely tough. You know, I, I, I up until that point, I never really dealt with death with anyone like close to mm. me in my family. And so that that was hard for me. Um, watching that and I went home. That's one of the luxuries of living close to where you play. I'm from Virginia. And I was in Baltimore, so I was able to leave the hotel. And the Baltimore Ravens, I was going to leave the hotel and drive home when I found out at about, you know, 10, 11 o'clock at night or whatever it was. And they ended up having one of their security guys drive me down to Virginia. My fiance and my brother, who was uh, who was up there, lived with me at the time. And we went home. And so I was home in Virginia. I wasn't really thinking about the game. You know, I wanted to see my mom. wanted to see my siblings. I wanted to make sure that everything was okay. You know, not that I could change anything or do anything, but, you know, I just wanted to, to, to be there, you know, around my family. And so the next day, you know, if we had a day game, I probably would have never played, mm-hmm. but it was, it was a primetime night game because the reason why I'm saying that is I only slept like an hour, an hour or two max. And I ended up saying, all right, I'm just going to watch and see what happened. And I talked to Harbaugh and he was like, Hey, what do you plan on doing? And my mom was like, well, I think you should play. You know, we want you to play. And I'm like, well, I don't want to hurt my team because I'm tired. You know, I'm one of those people that, you know, when you're tired, you're dang near delusional. So, you know, I didn't really want to put that on my team, but my family wanted me to do it. And I had a a different kind of energy about it. You know, I'll never forget walking into the stadium and the Ravens fans embracing me, you know, when I got dropped off, you know, it's, Definitely shed some tears, you know, in that moment, because at that point, the news had already broke. You know, I I was home 
watching ESPN and playing Madden with my siblings, my brothers, like I normally do. And then, you know, you're watching ESPN and they talk about me and my brother passing away, you know, and that, and that I'm not there, you know, which is a very weird experience, but you know, that's just the, the reality of it. But I ended up, you know, coming back and, you know, my family ended up watching the game and everyone was initially supposed to go, but just stay home in Virginia after that. Um, but it was a, it was a big moment for my family to be able to score, to have the touchdown balls, you know, actually mm. they're in his casket with him. Um, oh so my gosh. Wow. I don't have them, you know, uh, after we, after we scored, we had the touchdown balls. I just left them in his casket with him and just dealt through life. And because of the Ravens, they, I, I'll never be able to thank them enough for their support through that process. The, the fans from all over really, and their support is definitely something that, you know, helped my family ease the pain. That's beautiful, man. Very beautiful. Speaking of the Ravens, do you have any Ray Lewis stories? What was it like playing with <laughs> such a talent and a beast like Ray Lewis? Man, Ray is uh, a one of one. You know, there's only one Ray Lewis walking this planet, that's for sure. But his energy, you know, his passion, his commitment. You know, I was able to play with him on the back end of his career. But to see the way he worked and his work ethic, there's nothing like it. You know, I talked about Antonio Brown. What I've learned is the guys that are truly great, there's a different little edge to them. And to be able to see that out of Ray, even something as little, like I share, I coach my little 707 organization now, and I'm talking to the kids about their effort and how do you learn it? Well, I was taught that way by my high school coach who thought he was a drill sergeant. And also when I went to the University of Maryland and Coach Friedgen and James Franklin, head coach at Penn State was our OC and Lee Hall, my receivers coach, they taught us to practice like pros. And so when I went to the league, I was already prepared in that way. I knew what it was like to finish, keep running past the last defender. I knew those things. But to watch, you know, one of the greatest players to ever play this game, do it on the back end of his career, chasing me down the sideline. You know, if I got the ball, whether he made the tackle or not, like it just changed the way I viewed like work, you know, and it doesn't matter. So it's like, if that guy's doing it, he sets the standard for everything. And I think that, you know, it's a, a huge lesson in that for young players who think, oh, it's just practice. No, 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 no. It wasn't just practice when Ray Lewis was on the field. You know, it wasn't just practice when Ed Reed was on the field. It wasn't just practice when Terrell Suggs was on the field. Hello, Dinata, Marshall Yonder. Right? There's a reason why all those guys are going to be Hall of Famers, and two of them already are. And so, to me, my Ray Lewis is being a, a kid. You know, it's weird because I played with Ray Lewis's brother in college. And I would watch Ray Lewis when he comes, you know, like a little creeper. Like, you're like, oh, that's Ray Lewis, you know, <laughs> that's Ray Lewis standing over there. You know, I, remember, I still remember shaking his hand and, and inducing myself. Wow. And then, you know, a couple of years later, you know, I, I'm walking in the locker room and he's coming up to me, you know, welcoming wow. me to the team, you know. And that's a guy that, you know, everyone for me, I looked at the Ray Lewis coming up. So to be able to play with them was Truly a special experience. But to me, just his work ethic, his commitment, his passion, his love for what he does, his love for his team. You know, there, there's nothing like watching it. And also, can't can't forget about the pregame hype. Everyone yeah. knows the chant. You know, I was always there front and center. Like, I, I really was like, I can't believe I'm here. Like, you know, you're watching it and getting energized. But his speeches, man, he should be a pastor somewhere right now. <laughs> I love that. Like, what stands out? Is there anything he said pregame that you'll just never forget? I mean, just his messages to individuals, you know? 
you know, Ray Lewis comes around and like rubs this like oil on every player's forehead uh, before the game. <laughs> like literally? Yeah, literally every single player in that locker room. Wow. What oil? Probably coaches too. I don't know. He's like praying over everybody, you know, but <laughs> he, he's that. really strong in his faith. But yeah. to me, you know, I'll never, my first start was against the St. Louis Rams. And Ray comes over to me and he just grab, and I'm sitting there and I just feel like this big, jump. I'm like, who's grabbing me? He was like, I feel it. He was like, I feel it. He was like, you're so ready for it. I feel it. You're going to have a big day. You're going to be the reason why we win this game. You're going to have a big day. And I'm just like, man, this dude's just pumping me up, you know, trying to make sure. I'm but he came out of nowhere. I was just walking through the tunnel, you know, but he knew that I needed to play a big role in order for us to be successful. And he came over there and my first start, they set it all up. They were babying this rookie now. I had a rough <laughs> camp. You know, they were babying oh. me trying to make sure that, you know, I got eased into the game because we had traded for Lee Evans to be the starter because I wasn't ready. I was a lockout kid. I didn't learn the offense until camp and my head was spinning. So I'm not even going to lie to you. I didn't really, I wasn't comfortable with my assignments until about the third or fourth preseason game. Because wow. that lockout year, we didn't have an offseason workout, you know? And I, and I don't feel bad for the kids last year who didn't have off-season workouts because of COVID, because at least they had a Zoom meeting. We didn't have the plays. <laughs> so, you know, and I, and I struggle with that. And so yeah. for Ray to, to come over and do that, and the team eased me in. My, they were like, hey, the first play of the game, we're throwing it to you. We're going to throw you a hitch. And if you run a hitch and they press, it turns into a go route. Well, I line up to run my hitch, and I see the DB come on up to press. And I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. In the first play of the game, touchdown, a bomb. Oh. And then we come back again the next drive. And I catch another touchdown for a big post. Oh, my god! You know, and in the second quarter, I come back down and catch another touchdown. So I ended up scoring three touchdowns in the first quarter. Excuse me. My first three catches were touchdowns. What? And after the first quarter, maybe it was the first half. But I know my first three catches were touchdowns. And my confidence from then on was through the roof. And he was one of the first people to – Greet me, you know, on that <laughs> sideline, you know, telling me, hey, I told you, you know, and that was huge for my confidence. For our show's purposes, we'll say the first quarter. <laughs> <laughs> Revisionist history. Yeah, we'll see it. But the first three catches were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you won two Super Bowls with uh, one backup quarterback and Joe Flacco. Which one are you more surprised by? And is it really a quarterback's? League, I mean, your two Super Bowl teams, the defense was strong. The wide receivers played a role. What was that like winning Super Bowls with a backup quarterback? How did the team stay together? And you, did you guys believe you were going to win with Nick Foles? Yes, yeah, so I'll start with the Joe Flacco in the first one first. Joe Flacco had 11 touchdowns and zero interceptions. So absolutely, he carried the team. We can talk about all we want. All defense, you guys have. Our defense wasn't lights out. When we were in Denver, if that wasn't anyone go watch that game between special teams and things like that, we had to score points on offense. But to be fair, Corey Graham also scored a touchdown. So our defense made some a cornerback scored a touchdown on a pick six. So, you know, plays were to be made, but we don't win that Super Bowl without Joe Flacco throwing a ball, giving us chances and guys making plays. And in Philadelphia, you know, when Nick Foles came in, like, I, I don't even know if I should be saying this, but his arm, say it, was say it. <laughs> his arm was like kind of messed up the entire season. Yeah. And so, you know, we didn't necessarily have the reps that we needed. And so it was a little rocky at first. 
And part of it, I'll always tell people, like, you, they like, you guys stunk going into the playoffs. I'm always fully transparent. We had that bye week. So we had our first seed. We had it locked up. We went out there offense for one series. And I'm not going to lie. I dropped the ball that had I would have caught it, I probably would have ran 40 yards for a touchdown. But who took the heat? Nick Foles. Oh, the offense stunk it up. Da, da, da. So I always apologize when that comes up because if I would have scored that touchdown, no one would have. If I would have caught the ball, no one would have said anything. But it got up on me. I didn't see it. It was quick. <laughs> but <laughs> for Foles, we didn't have that same kind of chemistry. We felt like we were going to win it with Carson for sure. The difference was when we got into that practice, because we had that bye week, it was a completely different offense. It felt completely different. Nick was comfortable. They're putting in things that he liked, and Foles was dealing. Um, he, he was lights out. The one thing I love about Nick Foles is his confidence. His confidence in himself, his confidence in you. And I've told y'all about Ray Lewis and his speeches and being a pastor. Nick Foles will be a literal pastor with the way he delivers and literally <laughs> st- studying in seminary school. So he's going to be a real one. His That's communication awesome. skills are unbelievable. You know, his confidence. And I think that was really what the difference was. You know, Nick Foles started just giving guys chances to make plays. And if you watch the Super Bowl, you saw that over and over. It wasn't, hey, we're going to scheme you up. We're going to run all these trick plays. Yes, Philly Special was one. But guys were scheming up. Guys were making plays. And he was giving guys chances to do it. And we felt that. You know, because people, we played the Falcons, you know, and in our first one. And you know, that one was a little, a little iffy there, right? You know, we didn't play the best on offense. We didn't make all the plays that we needed to make. We had a little luck. I remember catching a a lucky ball in the second quarter that bounced off the defender's knee and right into my arms. <laughs> One of the luckiest plays in NFL history, I swear. And Love that. for that to happen, and Foles comes back, makes an amazing throw to Alshon, and now we get a field goal before half. Why is that important? We go into the end of the game. The Falcons had to score a touchdown to win the game because we were able to steal those three points. If not, they would have kicked the field goal. And that's the difference between winning and losing and Foles made some big time plays. It goes from, at least from my point of view, people are like, well, how are you ready for it? Honestly, I was trying to figure out how I was going to, in my eyes, it looked like an easy interception. I'm like, it's three on one. How do I keep this from being a pick six? Like that's how, that's what went through my mind. And it bounced up, catch the ball, run on around, Foles gets going and it's a completely different ball game. And I think plays like that and moments like that, Foles was the same regardless. And that's what, to me, makes him the most special, his demeanor. Um, obviously, he's a playmaker, but his trust and his demeanor is second to none. That's really cool to hear because you just don't think about the, all the journey, everything it took to get there. So that's really cool to hear all that behind the scenes. Tori, before we let you go, I want to do a preview of this weekend's games, the conference championships. We've previewed, teased a little bit, but let's start in the NFC. Rams are three and a half point favorite at home. You mentioned they get to stay at home. And if they go to the Super Bowl, that's at home. That's pretty special. And they're playing the 49ers. 49ers beat them twice in the regular season. Can they beat them three times? Beating a team three times is hard to do, but I think the 49ers can. Wow. I was on social media earlier talking about how this feels like one of those weird years where things are going right for the 49ers and people didn't think they were supposed to be there, where it kind of feels like it's your year. And they've been coming out on top in these games. But I think they stand a chance. And to me, if both teams play their best, the Rams will win the game. I'm rooting for the 49ers because I'm, you know, have an opportunity to play yeah. there and, and and a bunch of teammates and, and guys that Gave me an opportunity. I definitely won it for them. 
But I think the Rams, this time around, they're going to be a lot more prepared. You know, mm-hmm. the key to that game is going to be Jimmy G. And I know everyone's riding Jimmy G, and I'm probably worse than everyone else. I was definitely calling for Trey Lance, so I'm not one of those guys. Oh. Like, oh, I've been back on a bandwagon. But I'm being completely honest about it because I felt like at one point in the season, they weren't winning because of him. They were winning with him. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference. So to me, it's like, well, if you're just winning because of a guy and he's not making these big-time plays anyway, why, why not make a switch? That was my thought process. But that's why Kyle Shanahan's the coach, and I'm over here talking about it because he's stuck <laughs> with his decision, and he knows if his rookie is ready or not, and they go out there and they were able to turn it around. And so Jimmy G, when he protects the ball, the 49ers are, in the way they run the ball and their scheme, they can do some special things. But they're going to need Jimmy G to make a couple of big plays. And that's going to be the difference. It kind of reminds me of in the Super Bowl a few years back when the 49ers were there. If he hits Emmanuel Sanders on that post route when he's running wide open in the fourth quarter to win the game, the narrative about him is completely different right now. You know, but he didn't. But I think plays like that are going to present themselves. And if he protects the ball and hits those plays when they're there, not force it, just take the plays when they're there. The 49ers can come out on top. Okay. Okay. That's pretty good advice. What about in the AFC? Because I'm hearing a lot of people say that whoever won Chiefs Bills would be pretty exhausted going into the AFC championship because that was kind of the AFC championship. That was the tougher game. Now it is Chiefs. They are at home for the fourth straight year in the AFC championship. And they've got the Bengals, who are maybe the swaggiest, coolest team to watch right now. What do you think? Chiefs are a seven point favorite. Well, first of all, I wish the Super Bowl, I wish we could cancel everyone else out and watch the Bills and Chiefs play in the Super Bowl. Because Me that was too. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but we can't do that, and everyone else fights for their opportunity. I feel like the Kansas City Chiefs, and I've been telling people this for the last two years, I'm not betting against them until that roster is entirely separated. Mm-hmm. Because Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the game. And when he's playing like he is right now, they're tough to stop. Earlier in the year, they were, they were very questionable. But right now, the way they're playing, I don't know how you could stop them. And on the flip side, if that defense can get it together, get some pressure, they're going against the right opponent for that. The, the Bengals have been struggling to protect Joe Burrow. So I think that's really the biggest matchup there. But Joe Burrow is going to do his thing regardless. He may get sacked a lot, but he's going to make his plays. I love the confidence that he's brought to this organization, to the team. I don't care if they win or lose next week. This is one of the biggest and best turnarounds in NFL history. Mm. They were just drafting first overall just a couple of years ago. Crazy. Joe Burrow tears his knee. This is last season. Joe Burrow tears his knee. And now he's back. And we don't even remember he tore his knee. Right. Right. They add a couple of tools to the toolbox. And now they're here in the AFC championship game with one of the more entertaining offensive groups in the league and that's all because of joe burrow all because of the confidence that he brings and coach taylor deserves some respect for what he's been able to do and the gm as well for piecing it all together but the reality of it is this ship goes as joe burrow goes and they're going to have their hands full over there at arrowhead stadium but the reality of it is they have a different confidence that we fail to talk about they beat them just a few weeks ago so when you have the confidence knowing that you can beat you know, Goliath. <laughs> yeah. It's a different, it's a different attitude walking into it. Now it's just that you have to do it in their house. 
And one thing about them playing at home, it was rocking in Cincinnati that day. It was. But they haven't seen that crowd noise at Arrowhead, and they're going to have the challenge of trying to keep that quiet. So it's going to be fun to watch. But if any team can do it, this young team that is the underdog, that people don't feel like they belong there, they're in prime position to be able to pull off an upset. Love it. Well, those are the picks right there. There you have it. Who's winning the Super Bowl? Chiefs. Chiefs. <laughs> he didn't even let you finish the question. That was awesome. <laughs> Chiefs. Before you get to it, I know I said the Bengals can pull off the upset. They can't. Yes. However, I'm not betting against the Chiefs in any situation. Amen. Tori, thank you so much for your time. You gave us tons of good stories from the past, insight into your family and your personal journey in the NFL. I mean, that was that was one of my favorite interviews. I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. That was awesome. Don't forget to follow Tori Smith on Twitter at Tori Smith Wide Receiver. That's WR. Tori, thanks so much for joining us. Time to get to this weekend's action. Two big games to decide who advances to the Super Bowl. Let's bring in BetMGM betting expert. It's Peter Andrews. So there he is, the great Peter Andrew, gloating in the glory of the victory of his team. You can't see him. He's got a cigar. He's got a full 49ers uniform on. But most of all, he's wearing a smile and a glow in his eyes like he's high on fentanyl. I just got to ask, are you wearing football pants as well? Are there cleats? What else are you wearing that we can't see? Yeah, I left the shoulder pads downstairs. They're getting okay. washed, so I'd have those on too. But yeah, it's, it feels great to be a Niners fan this week. <sighs> Just c- commanding victory, not really, but no. Uh, <laughs> Uh, offense did just about nothing, but special teams did just about everything. So it was, uh, yeah. it was a good one for one of us here. I hear you. I hear you. You've earned this one. I would be doing it if it was my team. 49ers and Packers, man. That. I I don't want to face y'all in the postseason. Even when I thought you guys stunk on Sunday, I'm sorry, on Saturday, which you did, we stunk more. So it was that that was really hard to watch. That oh, I woke up Sunday morning like I was hungover and I'm pregnant and not drinking, so I'm not. But I felt sick to my stomach. And I'm texting with my poor grandmother, my grandmother in Green Bay, Wisconsin, who loves the Packers so much, she doesn't watch the game till the next morning. And she's texting me the next morning. I just saw what happened. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm driving to the Chiefs game like a, a tear running down my face. Uh, congratulations. Thank you. If there's any reason I feel bad, it's for gluten in front of Grandma Decker or Grandma Harlan. I mean, <laughs> Grandma <sorry>. Harlan. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean. Honestly, you know, jokes aside, after that first drive, I was nervous because yeah. you guys just up the field it felt like 30 seconds. But I think this is where Shanahan screws good is I think they make changes in real time. They obviously got to Rodgers a bit. Offense, I have no excuse for. They're going to have to score more than uh, 13 points on Sunday if they're going to win against the Rams. But see what happens. So let's start there with a little preview. Punishment picks. <laughs> Giannis, you make your pick first for this one. NFC Championship in L.A. If the Rams win, they stay in L.A. I mean, that's that's pretty cool. That could be back-to-back home Super Bowl champs, which had never happened before last year. It's pretty incredible we're at this point again. 
But the Rams have turned on the Jets these last two weeks. It's it's pretty impressive what they did against Arizona. And then last week, just enough to beat the Buccaneers surge. So do they do it again? Do they hold on and beat the 49ers? I don't know, guys. Easily. It's going to be big, too. It's not going to be even an interesting game. The Rams are a <laughs> juggernaut right now. San Francisco, I, I you know, I, Peter's our friend. I want to say congratulations. But they didn't really win that game. The Packers really lost that game. Amen. San Francisco doesn't look great. Jimmy G doesn't look great. He doesn't make those big plays. Well, well, well he does look great, but yeah, he's not he looks playing great. great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he'll never play as great as he looks. Right. So it's going to be the Rams big. I mean, their wide receivers are just going to be running all over the place. A lot of yards after catches. It's going to be showtime, baby, in L.A., it's almost like Magic Johnson's out there with them. It's just going to be a romping. The, the 49ers are overachieving, just like Peter Andrew with his cigar. It's probably <laughs> a, a Philly morning. blunt. That's probably no Cuban. That's probably a Philly blunt. <laughs> You're right. It isn't a Cuban. It's a uh, knockoff. It even says counterfeit on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> are you sure it's not like a toy prop from the like Party City or something? Giannis, I'm also taking the Rams, and three and a half is not a big number. I think they're going to win much bigger than that. Okay, we're in agreement on the first game. It's so weird. We only have one other game, so let's get to that one. Peter, tee us up. Yeah, uh, so lines have moved a half point in both of these games. They started at three for the Rams over the Niners. It started at seven for the Chiefs over the Bengals. That's mm. now up to seven and a half. That's a big number there for an AFC championship game. What do you think there? Giannis? Uh, I went with the no-brainer on the first one. So you know what? Unlike Olivia, who has apparently still a team left in this, I don't yep. know. She's got two teams. She breaks the rules. She's a Packers fan. She's a Chiefs fan. You yep. know, she's just fair weather. I mean, who has a backup favorite team? I mean, look at that. Yeah, it's not fair. It's not fair. You got to pick one team. You can't have two teams, yeah. you know? It's like she still has a team in this. Who does that? I'll one tell you who does conference. that. The cold-hearted OHD. It's like me having two favorite comedians. Just doesn't work. There's like rules that. to this, Peter. In, in sports, you have to pick a team and you either ride the joy of their victory or you ride the misery of their defeat like a true loyal fan. OHD, you can't have two teams. Pick one, okay? It's like trying to have two quarterbacks. It doesn't work. And that's why San Francisco is going to get romped because oh. they still are not sold on Jimmy G. Good transition. That was good. Yeah, I, <laughs> I am... I am going with why not? Let's go with just let's let's go with let's go with magic. Let's go with the Bengals, baby. It's gonna be magical. They're going all the way to the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow is riding his swag, his horse named Swag, all the way to the Super Bowl. And again, we're talking money line here. I want to make that very clear. I'm taking the Chiefs money line to actually play this. I would take the Bengals with the spread. Do you like that, Peter? Uh do I have your blessing? I do. I do. I think it is going to be a close game. I think it's yeah. a field goal game. I think both of them are, to be honest. And I'm just going to go back real quick. You said there's back-to-back home games potentially for the Rams here with uh, NFC Championship and the Super Bowl. I know just where to you're let going you know, with this. Week 18. Well, first know. of all, let me, just, let me just say, I will be at the game this week in LA. Of course. So just, I will be rolling deep. But week 18, if you recall, I think it was 80, 20 Niners fans mm-hmm. at SoFi Stadium. So we might have back-to-back home games You're with right. this and then the Super Bowl. So just be careful. And they've Ticketmaster Ooh. lifted the ban of only selling to people in the L.A. area. So now it's back open to everyone. So wow. see a red coming. 
Despite Kelly Stafford's plea, she said, Rams fans, don't sell your tickets to away fans. And you know what? Good for her. That's a, I, I would do that too. If I'm, if I'm QB1's wife and you've got to pull your weight, right? She has a huge following. I'd, I'd do that too. Joe, Joe Staley came out and said the opposite. And he said, not, LA fans, sell them to me. I'll give you cash. So <laughs> you got a little bit of a war here, but it, it's going to be a good game. It's not going to be. You know, I know they're, uh, I think, 0-6, the Rams against Shanahan with, with McVay. It's going to be a close game. I could see it coming down to the water like Week 18 did. But they're going to be two exciting games for sure. Okay, I've got one more question that the people really want to know, a.k.a. my sister and I, when we were watching the 49ers-Packers game. Who is Jimmy G dating? Because I think there's a rumor, it's a porn star or a former porn star, and we try to do our best on Google, but I figured you would know this. It definitely was who he was dating was a porn star. Okay. I forget her name, but it's probably a good thing. I don't remember her name. Let but, me just uh, check my internet history. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> you know her stage name. <laughs> but uh, if you're as good looking as Jimmy G, I imagine you have multiple girls and girlfriends. So uh, I think he's doing all right. Okay. Thanks for settling that. Just like OHD's got multiple teams. <laughs> yeah. He's got multiple girls. All right, guys, that's fine. It's going to be a crazy weekend of conference championship games. I cannot wait. Thanks for joining us, Pete. Thanks, guys. All right, guys, don't forget to go to BetMGM on Twitter on Monday to submit your bad beat of the week. We'll announce the winning bad beat next week. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Also, tell your friends about us. And reminder, if you are in L.A. Super Bowl week, we will be doing a live show at Tom's Watch Bar on Tuesday, March 8th. Next week, we will announce our special guest. And if you can't make it, it'll be streamed on the MGM social media channels at BetMGM. So now, Olivia, why don't you take us out, loser? (laughs) Okay, here it is. I lost again. Here's the outro Giannis wrote for me. I haven't laid eyes on it. But again, mom, if you're listening, just switch it off. Thanks for listening, guys. As per usual, it's me, OHD, the sports journalist, Georgia Peach, and part-time R&B singer. With my extensive football and sports pedigree, here I am again, losing to a comedian who just wings it. What has losing this season to Yanni meant so much to... What? What has losing this season to Yanni so much taught me? Nothing except life isn't fair. Also, when it comes to betting and sports, listen to your heart and not the experts. Anywho, I got to wrap this up and prepare to root for my other team, the Chiefs. That's right. I have two teams I root for, the Packers and the Chiefs. It always helps to have two favorite teams just in case one doesn't make it. Life isn't fair, so it's always good to have a backup team. It's OHD and I'm out to root for my team that is still in it. Because when you are a privileged woman from a famous family like me, we never lose. Good luck out there, losers. Thanks for listening, everybody. I am so pumped for this. (laughs) I got to say, that was one of the cleaner ones you've written. Yeah, that was a cleaner one. I didn't have a lot of time. (laughs) All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. 
With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies.